This week, Michael faced off against his evil twin. And now we have no idea which one we're talking to. Because this week, we watched Us. Welcome back to How Did You Miss This? A show where we double-take our movie-watching history. I'm Evan Toller-Hickey, and with me as always, Michael Hansen and Chris DeShane. And today, we are continuing Scaretober with the most recent film that we have watched on this podcast, 2019's Us. This was the massively anticipated second movie from Jordan Peele following the 2017 just genre changing movie Get Out. Uh, All of which begs the question, uh, Michael, if everyone else saw this, how did you miss this? I actually started watching it. I watched the first hour of many minutes I, I was fully intent on watching it. I watched it uh, when it was available to stream. I got to the scene when people arrive in the, the driveway. I paused there and never went back to it. So I watched a little bit of it and that was it. I now have a lot to say about like what a mistake that was because I really should have watched the, the rest of it. Um, but that's how it happened. I just paused, never went back to it. And, uh, and, and that's it. I love it. This is why Jordan Peele's third movie was called Nope. Michael just got to that section. He's just, Nope, Nope. <laughs> Done. <Yeah. laughs> I'll come back to it in 2023. How about you, Chris? Uh, I don't remember exactly when I didn't see this in in theaters, uh, but I do remember seeing this, you know, shortly after it was uh, available at home. I was a very big fan of Get Out. Uh, That's a movie I saw uh, a bunch of times. And so uh, was uh, anticipating this one. I didn't see it in theaters because I had a a new little baby around the house uh, shortly after uh, this came out, uh, but did see it once it was uh, available around the house. and uh, though I haven't revisited it since I first saw it in in, um, you know, when it was at home streaming. How about you, Evan? I, I actually saw this in theaters. I was super, super excited when it was coming out. Um, I had missed seeing Get Out in theaters with my sort of movie watching crew that we go to theaters with um, because I was traveling at the time for work, um, but then managed to see Get Out. I was a big fan of, of Key and Peele, the, the sketch uh, series from which Jordan Peele comes. And, uh, and so already a really big fan of his work to see him do something as incredible as Get Out. Um, you know, in a in a genre I love so much, um, and, and really, I, I don't feel like I'm playing it down when I said earlier that it really was a a uh, a sea change in in the genre. Get Out is was such and remains such an important film in horror. I think um, so. I was so thrilled to see us in theaters. But I haven't gone back to it since. I'm really, really thrilled that we chose this one to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, it's it's certainly a deviation from what we've uh, 
you know, talked about so far in Scaretober, which are kind of more uh, classics or at least older. <laughs> I don't know what I want that I want to call the Lost Boys a classic. Uh, but I mean, it kind of to your point, Evan, it's it's kind of this this new era of horror that's come up over the last decade where there's a little bit of a, a you know, a renaissance of, of horror. Um, and, you know, horror movies are kind of one of those movies that you can still make on a reasonable budget that still, you know, get a return at the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's the thing, like you're saying that like, this is the second Jordan Peele movie. His first one get out made 250 million bucks. Um, and you know, this was his second collaboration with, uh, Blumhouse productions. So Blumhouse productions being one of the big, um, you know, horror movie shops over the last, uh, decade or so, you know, they're, they're known for stuff like, um, paranormal activity, the purge, um, you know, just a whole bunch of, uh, horror movies that folks would be familiar with. And, and they've been part of the, the push to really, um, you know, get a lot of new horror out there. So Jordan Peele signed on for a second, uh, uh, film, uh, with, uh, Blumhouse and, uh, you know, production budget of 20 million bucks. So still a fairly, uh, reasonable, uh, production budget. Yeah, for... that is definitely all up there on the screen. Yeah, because that is that is that is a, a a minuscule budget when it comes to to movies today. So uh, big props. Yeah, I mean, indeed, and like there's there's not um, you know there, not necessarily a ton of CGI or anything crazy going into this film. A lot of it went into uh, you know locations and and uh, talent, and I mean, there's some very practical stuff that goes into the making of this movie uh, filmed in uh, Santa Cruz, including the boardwalk scene, which I'm sure we're going to touch on pretty quickly. Uh, and, and um, I think one of the interesting things about this movie too, is this uh, brings Lupita Nyong'o um, into kind of a front and center role, which she hasn't necessarily occupied in the same way. So she'd already won an Academy award for, uh, 12 Years a Slave in 2013. Um, I mean, she'd been in a number of uh, big films, um, either as voice or as a, as an actress. Uh, so in some of the Star Wars movies, in Black Panther, she'd already also um, been nominated for Tony. Uh, she won an Emmy the following year. So like she's definitely a triple threat. Uh, and this but this is kind of one of her early leading roles um and you know certainly gets her a lot of acclaim for her performance uh in this movie which i know we're going to be uh touching on as we go um and i think the the remarkable thing is that from from the get-go uh this movie comes out march 22nd of 2019 uh and is uh pretty much straight away uh a pretty big success yeah i mean like we said $20 $20 million budget, but in that first opening weekend, $71 million at the box office. So we're talking, you know, third best horror movie opening ever, maybe behind it and Halloween. Uh, and it goes on to make like get out about a quarter of a billion dollars. So massive return on investment. That said, it is not as well received ultimately as Get Out was. Basically, positive reviews for, you know, for, for the directing and for the acting, but a lot of a lot of reservations um, around it just sort of packing 
too much into a film. I think Hollywood Reporter, um, you know, says fiercely scary movie whose meaning is up for grabs. Vanity Fair uh, says it's it's a a, a joy um, and it, it's a fun ride no matter how overstuffed. Uh, Leonard Maltin, um, you know, saying when when us was over, I didn't feel a sense of satisfaction. Perhaps that's because Peel packed more into his dense screenplay than was absolutely necessary. And I, I think that gets reflected in the ratings. It's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, so crazy high there, but only a 6.3 on IMDb. So there's a real disparity with this film. I, it is a divisive film, I think which makes me very excited to talk about it and, you know, ask Michael as the person amongst us who had missed this, are you glad that you saw this film? I am incredibly glad to have watched this. I think this is probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Whoa. And, and I, I will probably talk about this later, but I would like to think that, 50 years from now, people will talk about this movie the way that you uh, talk about The Exorcist. I think this is uh, a, a, a flawlessly executed horror movie for what it is. So I am super glad I watched it. Oh, wow. Okay. Gl- opposite than, uh, than The Lost Boys, despite there being a... V- very obvious Lost Boys reference in this film. Yeah, Mike's having a big range yeah, here on Scare I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so Chris, uh, how about you coming back and revisiting this film? Uh, are you glad you did that? Uh, yeah, I think this is a good movie. I'm not going out there as strongly as Michael. I think there are parts of this movie I really like, um, but I don't know that I love this movie. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, to your point about like, it's a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, but, you know, I think it's one of those, like, if it's a binary recommend or not recommend, okay, that's pretty clear. But now if you're asking for like, you know, a score out of 10, that's a different conversation. Right. So I, I like it. I don't know that I love it, but I'm happy to, to have seen it. And I think it is definitely um, good for conversation, if nothing else, because there, there is a lot to talk about in this movie. But how, how about you, Evan? How do you feel after revisiting it? Well, I'm thrilled that we revisited it for this podcast because coming out of the theater, after originally seeing it, I was like, okay, that was good film with uh, some really good performances in it. There's a lot to chew on. I think I was, I'm sort of with the reviewers on that. It did feel kind of packed. That said, revisiting the film, this film uh, has, has grown on me, on me tremendously. Uh, I think that this is one of those films that really, really um, benefits from rewatching. And I, I think Michael is right that 50 years from now, people will be looking back. And while this didn't get that kind of love uh, as much that it, that it um, maybe deserved off the jump, I think that as people go back to this movie and and keep unpacking it, they're going to uh, find more and more and more to enjoy out of it. So uh, big thumbs up from me. Well, there you go. So um, we'll take a quick intermission. And on the other side, let's uh, talk about it.
Spoiler warning here. As usual, we're going to get into everything about uh, the movie Us. If you haven't seen it, then be warned. We will talk about all the stuff. Uh, and if you haven't seen it and don't want spoilers, then uh, run away. Um, so if you don't know what happened in this movie or need a recap, well, while the Wilson family is on a family beach vacation, they encounter sinister doppelgangers of themselves. Uh, these menacing lookalikes in red jumpsuits embark on a night of terror and throughout the movie we discover that there's a shocking connection to the real wilson family so uh this movie i mean you know as evan touched on up front jordan peele um both familiar with horror and comedy at this point and i think in us we see him combine both those horror elements the humor elements and of course you know social commentary which very much expected and anticipated out of all his movies now so i am curious from both of you how do you feel um that jordan peele pulled that off in in this movie i uh, it's, it's funny you ask that because i didn't think about the comedy like there are some really funny lines I think that this is primarily a horror movie. I think it does that extremely well. And I think that in, in terms of like balancing the, the type of writing, I think this an amazing idea for story, great twist and great lines in terms of chemistry. I wouldn't have thought about like, you know, balancing horror and comedy because I think it is ultimately a horror movie that has like some laugh out loud moments. Um, which I suppose is a long way of saying I think it it balanced it really really well. Yeah, I mean I I'm with you, Michael, in in thinking that it balances it very well. I th I think that that Jordan Peele is absolutely masterful at knowing exactly when to put a laugh um, for either juxtaposition of what's going on. For instance, when uh, Elizabeth Moss's character says, call the police to their uh, voice assistant and NWA's fuck the police comes on, Mwah, chef's kiss. And in the theater, that went over so well. And everybody is just cracking up at this really terrifying, awful, awful moment. But at the same time, um, he knows exactly when to um, have a laugh to release tension as well. And that's where horror and comedy go so well together, is that it gives you that release that uh, a jump scare could also give you without having to do the jump scare. So you, you get that cathartic release. And he's so good at doing that. When it comes to social commentary, I mean, I think that's where all of the reviewers and myself on that first viewing were like, okay, there's a lot here. And watching it that second time and being able to really unpack it and think about it and watch it through that lens, that commentary on inequality is so powerful to me. And it sets up that very much that um, there, but for the grace of God, go I kind of thing where it's like, I could so easily be that tethered person, or I could so easily be that person, you know, who, who lives in poverty, who, you know, lives on the very rough side of America, you know, who is at the bottom of the social hierarchy, but, but through some either accident of birth or through something very deliberate, here I am living this kind of, um, 
middle-class life that is all about keeping up with the Joneses and all about materialism and uh, all about uh, killing people with uh, golf clubs and boats. There's there's two parts of the, there. And I think the in, in general, the social commentary in this movie, obviously poignant. Like, I think it's a very... Uh, important and effective message. I know uh, Jordan Peele in particular was talking about like how like he fundamentally believes that, you know, any of our successes ultimately aren't just juxtaposed against other people's, uh, you know, privation or whatever that where they don't have the same privileges, but also in fact uh, is like, you know, our benefits come at the cost of someone else. Like there's get almost a zero sum game in the way he's kind of talking about the making of this movie. Uh, and I think, you know, that, comes across very clearly with you know the tethers and the duality of of those kind of roles and existences um i will say the humor for me in this movie like he knows how to get a laugh he knows how to make humor great um and i will say it does a good job for me of looking at you know like so if you look at the dad i i think there's humor in him trying to like confront the family at the end of the driveway because uh at some points it does a great job of setting up the like it's funny when you can tell he's trying to like man up hey i told y'all to get off my driveway and it's not the least bit intimidating at all and i think there's some really great humor built into a very tense moment um, I do find at times that it deflates the scene a little bit for me too, when I love the scare rather than the the humor though. I think that's the thing for me in some of those scenes where it takes a little bit of the, the air out of the balloon on, on the tension for me. I think that, that we're getting back to that kind of overstuffed sort of idea here as well, because that moment I think is so, so good when um, Gabe confronts the, the family of tethers in the driveway. And at first it's like, Hey, are you lost? Like, what are you doing here? Get off my property. And then he does a very, very deliberate code switch. And he goes from being sort of like, okay, I'm using my like middle class, um, uh, university educated because he's, he's wearing his Howard shirt you know, for, for big chunks of this movie. So it's like, okay, he's gone to a very good school, but then it's like, okay, we gonna get crazy. And it's like, oh, that's so interesting that he is flipping, you know, flipping into, uh, a, a, a different kind of mode of speaking to scare people off, well, in hopes of scaring people off and boy, does it not work at all. But it's, again, that social commentary, that duality. And, uh, you know, one could, could again, think of the, the inequalities that are happening there as well. But, but I think as well, like up to that point, if you knew nothing about this movie, that is the pivot. Up to that point, it could have gone either way. He goes up there and it's like, look, I've been really cool with you guys. Ask you to leave. I really need you to walk away. And that could have gone, they walk away. It could have become a, a, a home invasion movie that would have been scary, or it could have done this other thing. But that's the pivot point. So the humor kind of like, it goes up to that point. But from that point on, I don't think that we see that anymore. I don't think we see like the ridiculous humor. I don't think that we see like, because up to that point, things are normal and you have certain roles in the relationship. Beyond that point, it's like, whoa, that took a turn. 
And then I think it is very consistent from that point on personally. I think it, it works super well because it like it turns into something like, okay, now we're dealing with this whole other thing. And for me, that worked super well. So yeah, it's interesting because there's, there's a few things in there where, um, I mean, during the home invasion where he's like, you know, you can... You can take my money. You can take the boat. And the daughter's like, nobody wants the boat. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I get it. Ha ha. Uh, like the, N- funny. the NWA thing, like the fuck the police thing. I'm like, okay, I know voice assistants are terrible. And I yell at mine all the time for getting it wrong. But okay, that's that's played for a joke. Like, uh, what's the right way to put this? It's, it's kind of like when we were talking about The Exorcist where I'm like uh, – there's just a few too many like wink, wink, ha ha kind of moments here and there for me where I, I, I again, I, I like the scare and I find that the laugh goes down a different path, maybe some of the time than what I'm looking for. But let me agree to disagree. Well, and so this is this is where I was going to head next is just, you know, like for each of you, how how scary is this movie? Like, you know, does this really stand out as a, uh, you know, a scare, scary, scary movie? Uh, and, you know, are there any scenes in particular that stand out? This movie scared me shitless. I thought this was entirely frightening. All kinds of reasons. There were jump scares. There were creepiness. There were the themes. There was the actually I, I want to talk about this for a bit. The way that they kind of cut away from some of the outright uh, uh, bloody stabbing at some points was almost scarier than if they had shown it because it just leaves so much more to your imagination. So for me, this was an utterly frightening movie, way more than something like The Exorcist, uh, watching it now, forget 50 years ago, but like watching it now, I was like, this was a thoroughly uh, scary movie. Which, which Which parts of it are the parts that like, scare you and creep you out everything i thought the initial thing around the the, the mirror funhouse i thought uh, what they did with the uh, the the power outage the first time seeing the people um the voice of the the mirrored um shadow person what i call the other mother everything scared me about this movie everything made me feel like whoa i am at the edge of my seat that's so interesting to me because I actually don't find this a particularly scary movie. I just love watching it. I am 100% there for the ride, but it's not the – it feels for me it's a much sort of more tame ride because – and I, I think it's because it's not the kind of horror that really freaks me out. Yeah. You know, like ghost stories and things like that. That's much more in the realm of the of the things that really frighten me. And this just goes to whatever it is that like gets at people for for horror. And that's what makes it such an, a cool genre. Um yeah, I, I totally get it. like it's it's like you you like the mechanical head turning around and the green pea soup spitting out and throwing up on people like I, I get it like that's scary for you. I that's thought this was Tuesday for entirely <laughs> right. I thought this was entirely frightening. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting because um, I mean. Jordan Peele talked about it, uh, saying that like for him, like the idea of a doppelganger is one of the most terrifying things. Right. And he's like, you know, it's an upsetting thing for me, you know, like seeing myself in the mirror kind of thing. Right. Um, and so I, I I think for me, there's two scenes which I find genuinely scary, like that great level of 
intense. Uh, one is the opening uh, boardwalk scene with the little girl going through the the house of mirrors and whatever. And then when she sees the, you know, when she turns around and the mirror doesn't turn around, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's a great moment. And the home invasion um, between, you know, there's a family at the end of our driveway uh, through to like when they start kind of like running and trying to save themselves like that. That's a very tense, scary you know, sequence. Uh, I found myself through the second half of this movie, not being, not feeling the tense, creepy crawlies or whatever, um, you know, throughout that second half. And so that's, it's the interesting kind of like balancing act of what creeps you out and what kind of tension keeps you on the edge of your seat. Cause I found the second half wasn't really that, you know, that, that, that tense, that tight for me. It, it's a really good point because it's like the, the comments you had about the pacing for the exorcist are sort of here in reverse. I agree, yeah. Because you you have like I, I wrote down, I joked about it before we started recording. I said about like a Venn diagram between Jacob's ladder, sixth sense, and Coraline. And then I had plus action. So there's a thing here that they go after where you have this interesting intersection, plus it's an action movie. So if you like that, like I did, I thought it was amazing. If you don't like it and you want something more slow paced like The Exorcist, it's going to be like, well, I, I don't get it. The, the last third is just, it's not for me. But for me, it's just like, I thought this was an incredible new evolution of, a, of this concept. And I was all there for it. Well, I think one of the things that really helps drive the whole thing forward, you know, can we talk about some of these performances? Because there are some moments like the scare, some of the scariest moments for me in it. And again, like, I don't find this a particularly scary film, but, you know, Lupita Nyong'o as Red and the way that she is so mechanical in her movements is wonderful and scary but also as uh adelaide just in in trying to save her family and in the sheer terror of the moment but uh, also a massive shout out to elizabeth moss who i think delivers one of the most disturbing parts of the film for me when she's putting on um uh, the tether is putting on kitty's makeup and then takes the scissors and starts slicing her own face that is just so so effective i i i love it i i mean i think the performances across the board in this film are phenomenal to me, but, uh, but big, big shout outs to those, uh, two women. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think they, they definitely stand out. I mean, especially, um, I mean the, the difference between Adelaide and red, uh, you know, for Lupita Nyong'o and the two characters she plays who are just so dramatically different. I mean, I agree mm -hmm. with you, Elizabeth Moss, both her, you know, her death and her creepiness afterwards are very good, but like, uh, I just, the, the huge variation on those two characters played, you know, essentially in the same scenes throughout the movie, uh, by Lupita Nyong'o or just, I mean, right. She's, she's great in this movie. And yeah, this is, this is really true. Like masterclass in acting, watching her do what she does so well and so difficult to carry a film like this, especially when you're playing the good guy and the bad guy. And she does it just like seemingly effortlessly. I, I, I couldn't agree more because it's not just that. It's like the good and the bad, but it's like, as we'll 
talk about later with a twist. It's good and the bad and the good and the bad again, in a way. I thought that uh, she did an incredible job. And there was no one in this one, in, in this movie, where I thought like they did a terrible job. Everyone did their role extremely well. And I also think there are a bunch of things that I didn't appreciate until the end, like all these little breadcrumbs around acting, little things that they did, little flashbacks they did that then later you go like, oh, very similar to like already uh, played my hand talking about uh, Sixth Sense, where, you know, at the end you go, oh, so that's what that red color meant uh, throughout. Um, I thought they did an incredible job doing all these things. I felt very natural at the time. And then later you go, oh. That was really good. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Michael kind of touched on it there about there's a, a bunch of little breadcrumbs and Easter eggs uh, throughout this movie. It's definitely one of the things that uh, this movie is known for. So uh, were there any particular little, you know, references, hidden clues, other stuff that was adding to your your viewing experience as you watched this? Well, I think that that is exactly what elevated this viewing experience for me rewatching this film. Um, it's kind of like what Michael was saying about Sixth Sense and then knowing the twist on that and then rewatching it and going, oh, all of those things. Or uh, for me, the reference that that I was like, oh, this is like rewatching Fight Club, which is just like, uh, which is a great movie, but uh, but better on the second watch because you are picking up all of these little things. Um, in terms of the Easter eggs, I, th I have to say that the one that really made me go like, oh, that is that is such a tight piece of writing is when uh, Gabe is talking to uh, his daughter Zora and is like, um, hey, you should, uh, you know, you should run while, while you're here. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, no, I, you know, I want to drive. And it's like, that will come back in such a great way. Also huge shout out to uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph um, who plays Zora because her, creepy smiling tether person yeah umbre that is that is terrifying the creepy smiling tether person that she plays uh is so unnerving um so big thumbs up but like yeah like that little bit of dialogue i was like oh damn like that is tight like just great i loved i loved all of these little things like even from the very very start the the hands across america uh, tethered together mm -hmm. like that and and then you you know this got to be important somehow but you don't know how and then later when you see in in modern day with with the sun coming out of the washroom and seeing the the man on the beach standing arms outreached you get that's important but you don't exactly know how there are all of these little things the the dad uh, renting the boat and oh it veers to the left and the the motor, like there are all these little things that you go later and go like, oh snap! Like everything kind of links back, and you go, that is amazing. Sorry, for me that was incredible. I just loved, and that that was in one watching where I felt satisfied that it all linked together. Like compared to some other movies where you say, oh, you really should watch this ten times with your friends over the next fifteen years. For me, this was satisfying in one watching, and I was like. That's brilliant. I can't wait for you to watch this a second time, Michael. 
Yeah, I mean, I really, really cannot wait for you to watch this a second time. There are lots of little goodies. I think um, I mean, some of the stuff that I think is easy to notice is, you know, as that, um, you know, Hands Across America plays when you immediately also start getting drawn to the stuff on the bookshelf uh, around it. You notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Goonies, uh, Chud, cannibalistic human underground dwellers, you know, all sorts of uh, little like 80s. Uh, you know, references, which obviously tie into the whole, you know, underground dwelling tethers. Uh, and I mean, I think I think for us, um, one of the important ones that we have to call out is the, you know, on the boardwalk scene in the beginning um, when Adelaide's there with her family uh, and the mom turns around and is like, oh, hey, they're filming a movie over there. And it's like, well, yeah, they're filming The Lost Boys. So, I mean, this yeah. is and and what happens to Adelaide? She gets she she turned gets into a vampire lost. by David, who is also Ace. Uh, I'm just trying to see if we can turn this into a full connection of all the movies we've watched. But uh, definitely an easy uh, six, six degrees of Lost Boys on this one because it's not mm-hmm. even it's one degree. Uh, but I, I will say also, you know, Michael, to your point about some of the the, the bread crumb crumbs that you can um, you know trace back through this movie. It's some of the stuff too, like. Um, um, Adelaide whistling itsy bitsy spider in the beginning when she's going through the the house of mirrors. Uh, and then when red comes back, she also whistles itsy bitsy spider, which kind of gives you that like, Oh, there's something more here. Who is really the good one and bad one. And again, you know, it's like, do you see that on the first watching? Maybe, maybe not. Do you see it on the second? I definitely did. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what else you can pull out if you, if you rewatch this again. Was that your favorite Easter egg, Chris, that uh, little easy, itsy bitsy spider bit? I, th- okay. So I, I think one of the ones for me actually that I didn't really think about until I rewatched it was why Red's voice is the way it is. So she can speak, but like, you know, I didn't really think about it on the first one. I'm like, she's just a weird creeper person. Maybe she's the king of or queen of the tethers. And so she learned to speak you know, above world or, uh, but like when you actually think about it and it's like, Oh, the little girl was strangled in the first scene. She, Maybe her, it did yeah, damage her to her throat or right. Crushed, and that's yeah. why. So I'm like, Oh, rewatching it. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's a clever, you know, choice about, how that character speaks and why they speak that way, which maybe you don't pick up on, you know, on the first viewing until you can connect those dots. So I, I really appreciated that one, especially as it, it helps flesh out that character so much. I, I agree. And it also makes sense too. Uh, this was something that I was like, Oh, that's weird. The first time I watched it. And now the second time really picked up on is when, you know, the, the tether, well, I, I guess Adelaide is pulling her the, the the actual little girl through the tunnels. Why and locking her up? Why she isn't screaming? Why she doesn't call out for help or anything when she gets like handcuffed to the bed? And you know, it's like, oh, okay, right, because she has no voice right now. I, I, I yeah, this movie is definitely full of uh, lots of little. Easter eggs and fun little surprises, but uh, it's also full of lots of twists. So I think it's time for a quick intermission. And other on the other side, we can cu- talk about all those twists and turns that uh, made this story go from start to end. So 
Us is a movie that's definitely full of twists throughout, uh, but it can definitely feel like the ending and some of the themes can be very open to, you know, interpretation. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily get a nice clean bow tied up uh, as you go through this thing. So I'm curious about how both of you feel about, you know, the overall story uh, in this movie. So I was going to almost paraphrase something you said in a previous episode to say, like, I agree with all of that up until the point where you said no, because everything you said, it's like, that's actually a selling point for me. That's not a negative thing. It's like, it's a lot of themes. It's a lot of things going on and you have an ending that for me was a very, very satisfying. So I I, I think we're going to have a little bit of a debate here. Like I, I, I think the twists work for me extremely well. And it made me more interested in what's happening after that final scene. Like, I, I not that they're going to do an us too, but what actually happened after they drive off? Us also. Us also, yeah. <laughs> or you, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that, that you're absolutely right, Michael. The, it, it's a selling point to me too, um, that... There is so much to pick apart. I think we've realized over the course of doing this podcast, I really like picking apart things, the symbolism, the little hidden things, working out how the story structure uh, happens. I think that, Chris, you know, to the question of how do I feel about the overall story, I think that the overall story is very strong. I think that that narrative from beginning to end works really well the the sort of setting it up from the beginning with that uh, that text about you know all of the tunnels in the US really kind of gives you that sense of like oh like okay so how is this all going to work you know this sounds really weird and then you've got the shots of the rabbits and you're pulling back and it just it's very off-putting and very strange and it's making you go okay there is weird stuff at work here and then you jump into what you know is it seems like is going to be like kind of sweet Uh, but it's an amusement park at night. And as we've talked about in the Lost Boys, like that gets creepy. And then we have uh, a a really great uh, scene that we can keep coming back to that doesn't show us exactly what happened. And I think that that all of that breadcrumbs really, really well all the way to the end. I think that the the thing, like, like we said, that the people keep stumbling on is just how much symbolism there is, how much social commentary there is, that it can feel like it sometimes gets in the way of the actual narrative itself. But again, selling point for me, and it seems for Michael as well. What I like about the story is this is a really original idea. The whole notion about the underground world and people who live there and the the shadows, the reflections. This is a new thing that I had not seen before. So crazy kudos for that. On its own, that's incredible. Then the writing is incredibly good in terms of dialogue and, and how people act together. I really like the twist at the very, very end. I think that's great. So for me, like all these things come together extremely well on their own. Then I think I can really, really see how people would bring in their additional views about social commentary and issues on top of that. And that I, I, that's probably fair in terms of what you bring yourself, um, what, what he felt when he wrote it. But 
without that, even on its own, I think it is an incredibly strong story and how they deliver it. So on its own merit, for me, that was outstanding. Yeah. And let's not forget, too, that people aren't just sort of like bringing their own kind of ideas about social commentary into this film. This is the film that follows Get Out. And that is so clear in its racial commentary and, you know, how white America uh, loves black bodies and fears black minds. So what you mean is the last movie you made sets the tone for the next one you do. Because you did this, then therefore that. Like, because Spike Lee this, then he couldn't make Inside Job. Like, I, I, I have an objection to that. So... Social commentary might be inferred, but I don't think that is explicit in this. The thing that I was surprised you didn't say, because I want to talk about it, is one of the funniest scenes in the movie I, I wrote down. It was like, they have just killed the other friend family. And I'm like, are you insane? Like, you're calling the cops? It doesn't occur to you that they're going to show up and be like, what did you say happened here? You have killed this white family and you're sitting here in their home? That, to me, is more social commentary than anything. And I, I was shocked they didn't do a thing, but that would have been lazy in the movie. When I watched this, I watched this. I had I had seen Get Out uh, when it first came out. I watched this fresh. I didn't necessarily look at this as a, a continuation of a particular theme. I watched this as a standalone. This is a really interesting horror movie that has great plot and great themes and great undertones uh, but i didn't i didn't carry forward from the previous movie some of the the themes that went with it so um I, like i i know we've talked about and heard about other commentary around themes and social uh, issues and and race but none of that kind of occurred to me as i watched this i was able to to look at it on its uh, own merits and really really enjoyed it and Maybe if I went back to it, maybe I would pick up on different things. But but I just think um, that on its own, the movie on its own, I think carries tremendous weight, and I and and I would recommend it on those merits to anyone. Hey, I I agree with you, Michael. I I think that the that the movie does definitely exist on its own merits. Um, what I was sort of getting at was that you've got an audience that has a set of expectations coming in. Now, luckily you've had time between get out and, uh, us and you're watching it, um, you know, without carrying in that, um, presupposition, uh, or, or those expectations of like, Oh, okay, here's a second, um, horror movie from Jordan Peele and it stars a black family. And well, this is, you know, this is definitely going to be, um, you know, something about like racism in, in the U S because get out was about racism. And that wasn't entirely delivered, for for an audience looking for that it is about inequality um not necessarily about race and i think that 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 maybe um diminished some people's enjoyment of it only because they went in with with uh you know a, a set of of pre-existing expectations um for what they were going to get i'll i'll just say that i think um i mean i think 
to your point, Evan, going into this, you, you're kind of expecting like, all right, Jordan Peele makes movies that are probably going to be scary and have something to say. Okay, great. I'm ready for it. I'm, you know, the antenna is up for what, what am I seeing here? I think for me, when we, we talk about like the overall story, I think the, the social commentary that's baked into this is excellent. I think, you know, to your point, it stands on its own merits. I find the last third of this, probably everything after they leave the, the other family's house, I find the ending really soft. So uh, like, yes, there's a twist in there, but like, I find getting there is kind of arduous for me. Um, I think the point that's being made, and I think maybe where some people struggle with it is I don't think it's quite as, you know, explicit as in get out. Yeah, It's definitely not as pointed. And so I think there's a lot more like ambiguity in this, which is maybe where people, you know, don't necessarily, you know, it's to your point, it's that like the difference between thumbs up, thumbs down review versus point score, like we were talking about earlier, right? Like, is it a Rotten Tomatoes or is it an IMDb and where, where are they? And I think, I think that's for me where, you know, like Michael called it out earlier, like this is the, the, the reverse exorcist, uh, which could either be a really upsetting sex move or what I uh, <laughs> think about the plot of this movie. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely front loaded for me in terms of the, the pacing, the tension, you definitely get the, that kind of commentary through the first, uh, you know, half two thirds as you're like, okay, there's these two different people, uh, doing the same thing. And one is the fortunate and one is, you know, the have and have not kind of thing for, for me, I think the movie struggles in that final third to, you know, tie a lot of the stuff that they've introduced up. And that, that's where I feel like it kind of bogs down and you know to michael's point it becomes a little bit more of an action movie than a horror movie for me you know a thriller maybe or that kind of thing so uh, i i think that's where this movie struggles a little bit for me which i still think is a great movie and i think the story and messages are incredibly compelling it just i don't know it flags for me a little bit in that last in that last half so i've got a a question for both of you in terms of movies that we have watched already would you say that this is um maybe closer to like vertigo just in terms of the way that it is um cinematically constructed and i wonder again if this is one of those things where um michael is absolutely right in like 50 years we'll be talking about this movie still because watching this film um felt like a a cinematic feast for me in that again there's so many easter eggs that the um costumes are so good the acting is so good the shots the framing are really interesting like and and um have something to say with the story as well like for instance the overhead shot of the family walking on the beach and their shadows coming off them. And it's like, oh, wow, this shot is a great shot, but it is also a shot with something to say, Um, you know, wardrobe with something to say, the black flag shirt on the, on the carny and the black flag shirt on the twin, you know, talking, you know, getting you in that sort of like consumerism, materialism um, sort of, of bent the, the um, use of, of, music and things like that. Um, I, I wonder if 
if this is going to be one of those sort of like vertigo kind of movies, one that is appreciated much more later on as like, uh, as Michael sort of said, when we recorded that episode, like a bit of a, a film class movie, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, to your point, there's definitely some moments, you know, like when red is holding, holding Adelaide down on the, on the glass coffee table and the glass, you know, splinters and it's, you know, splinters directly between their two uh, reflections in the glass. And you're like, okay, there's a, you know, a, a severance between these two now, you know, the, before they were tethered and now, you know, okay, cool. Like there's some, there's some interesting shots. I think there's a lot of interesting foreshadowing. I mean, I, I, I don't know how people are going to feel about anything in 50 years, but I do wonder whether a movie like, um, you know, Nope, uh, his uh, 2022 movie, which was not as well received, might be more akin to the Vertigo, which was, you know, pooped on at the time. Whereas I think this was incredibly well received for lots of different reasons. So I'm wondering if, you know, maybe that that same kind of like critical um, recognition and and that kind of thing might be more akin to. Um, nope, which is a really interesting movie also, but, um, I mean, I don't know, uh, maybe if in 50 years, we're still doing the podcast, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's revisit it. Yeah. But look at it this way. So this movie for me was incredibly powerful. I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of it. And I thought, wow, that's brilliant. And, 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 and I think I played my hand so many times throughout this, uh, series to say, I really respect movies that do something that generate that reaction. Other people might hate it. You come in with different expectation and you have a different reaction. That's okay. But at least you have some reaction as opposed to a blah movie like what I felt about Lost Boys. So for me, everything clicked. I didn't come in with this. This movie didn't have to carry all this weight on its shoulders of, well, you had this previous movie and you have to live up to the legacy. You have to do all of that. Like, Going back to the sixth sense, who who can do that? Who can live up to those expectations? This was just a movie that I thought was really, really good on its own. Terrific storyline, great acting, great, great characters and dialogue, great twists. And also on top of that, I think rewards multiple rewatches. Like, what more could you ask from my perspective? So like, well, I think, I think you're right, Michael. Like I think, as, especially when you look at Jordan Peele's work, like to have a movie as, you know, unexpectedly sensational as get out, you know, an original, uh, you know, piece of writing and then follow it up with another piece that is, uh, both, uh, so interesting and compelling as us, uh, and equally as successful as your first, like, it's not common that you can have, a two original, um, you know, pieces of, of intellectual property come out one after another from the same writer director and both be, um, you know, both, you know, having an incredibly strong message incredibly well put together, incredibly successful, like all of those things. And then also to follow it up with Nope, which was still successful, just not as well, uh, regarded. But I mean, it's like Jordan Peele is definitely a guy who, when he comes out with something new, you're going to be like, okay, I'm interested. I want to know, I want to know what this is. I want to know what he's making. Uh, one of the things that he also does that uh, is interesting uh, throughout this movie, you know, kind of tying into some of those uh, commentaries and uh, Easter eggs that we've already kind of touched on is um, 
the you know soundtrack and the sound design uh, throughout this movie. Uh, like, how, how effective did you feel it was in terms of um, you know tying into the story and creating some of that atmosphere and tension uh, throughout the film? You know, I have it written down in my notes that the the score is almost like you know again to go back to. Vertigo, um, you know, the score is almost Bernard Herman-esque. Like it is at times a very classical Hollywood score. And, and I think particularly where I really felt it was in the, um, in, in that scene where Elizabeth Moss is putting on the, the makeup, um, you've got these like classic Hollywood strings happening and it's so cool. Uh, and, and such a neat juxtaposition from just listening to NWA shortly before. Um, there's also like, there's just really good music choices. Like there's Janelle Monet, there's beach boys. Like it's, it's really good. And the music in the scene between, um, uh, Adelaide and Red at the end where they're fighting each other. It just, the underscoring of that is just pitch perfect for the sort of, you know, violent ballet that they're doing to each other. I really agree with you in one way. I think the music for this was very, very powerful. The The blend of this stuff always seem, seemed so suitable to the scene. Whether it was like when they're just hanging out in the, the car and driving or whether it was the the original kind of like the mirror funhouse music going on. And like you said, that that 50s type of uh, music with the, the uh, Elizabeth Moss scene, unbelievable. I thought it was just like a perfect pick. Um, where I disagree is like I, I think that in, in Vertigo, the music actually didn't leave me with much of a – like I, I thought it was mismatched at times. I did. I, I didn't have the same feeling at all here. I thought all the music hit the spot. Like I thought it was a great pick for whatever was going on uh, in each scene. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I generally agree. I mean, I kind of touched on some spots where I found like some of the, like the NWA thing or whatever poked a, a little bit of a hole in the, the tension balloon for me and some of those kinds of moments. Uh, but like by and large, like, I think the, the music is interesting. I think it's appropriate for the points in time too, with like, you know, the dad and I got five on it and he's like, it's not a song about <laughs> drugs. It's a great song. Don't do drugs. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, you know, I have those moments with which my, is great. Exactly. That's a great scene. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a great scene and it's appropriate. And like, you know, I, 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 I heard, uh, um, uh, Jordan Peele in an interview say like there is something kind of creepy a little bit about that song too just the way it sounds I'm like yeah I actually find that too so when it comes back in the end is kind of that part of that sub theme in the ballet where you can have some of those same notes playing through I'm like yeah it's definitely creepier when it's done here too um, but generally yeah like I, I think especially for me kind of tying back to where I found creepy like the sounds and music in the in the in the um uh, in the glass, you know, in the mirror, mirror house, uh, in the fun house, like creepy, uh, tense the whole way through in the home invasion, creepy, tense, you know, when the glass breaks, Ooh, I'm, you know, start a little in my chair. So definitely well done, um, there. I mean, I think, I think this, you know, movie is ultimately pretty great. And I think the the question for each of you, which I don't think is going to be any surprise at this point is like, 
you know, is this a movie that you would recommend to somebody who hadn't seen this? 100%. This is my favorite movie of all the movies we've watched so far. Like, I think this was brilliant in, in every way. So again, caveats around horror movies, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't talk enough around the rating uh, of this. I think they did a genius thing that made it possible to recommend to more people for some of the violence things, but maybe fewer people because of some of the themes. But I, but 100%, I would, I would recommend it to anyone who's up for this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. This is a great movie. If you have not uh, seen this movie, it's definitely something that's uh, worth a watch. I, I mean, to to what Evan and I were saying, and though Michael sounds like he disagrees a little bit, I, I don't think this is as scary a movie as some of the other stuff that, uh, you know, like The Exorcist, it's not as disturbing in some ways as The Exorcist. I also don't think it's necessarily as... Um, you know, gory or whatever is some other movies as well. There's definitely some, some moments in here, but like, if you could watch get out, then you can certainly watch this as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a movie that has, you know, things to say that are important for us in, in 2023. So if you've missed this, then by all means, it's something that's, uh, well worth the watch. Do, do you two think you will be revisiting this anytime soon? Uh, I think I probably will soon. I don't know. We've got a lot of movies to watch, but as I said earlier, this is a film that really benefits from rewatching. So I would also say to anybody that I recommend this movie a hundred percent to, um, watch it a second time too. watch it a third time. This is a really well constructed piece of cinema. Um, Go enjoy it and and break it down. Have have fun deconstructing this because you will be rewarded. This is a film that it really really uh, asks for that and um, delivers on it. I I will come back and watch this again, probably more so than uh, something like uh, Get Out because this to me, like I said, half jokingly, but it's like this perfect intersection between Sixth Sense, Coraline, and Jacob's Ladder. Like it, it really kind of hits that, um, strikes that note for me that I really like. So for me, this is going to provide a lot of uh, enjoyment coming back to you again and again. So I, I look forward to watching this again. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I for me, this is probably not a movie I'm picking up again now that I've, you know, seen it uh, once before and then watched it uh you know, twice again now, not to say I think it's a bad movie. Um, I just don't love it. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it partly for me uh, is the on rewatching this movie. Uh, I remembered two scenes, uh, the the creepy, you know, fun house at the beginning and, and then the home invasion. And I forgot the rest of the movie uh, because I kind of don't love the rest of the movie. So for me, I, I'm not sure I'm picking this up again, though. I think what the movie has to say uh, is absolutely at least worth, you know, one watching. Uh, but, you know, I'm not in love with it, but I got the message and that's great. So if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth it there. If you have already seen it, then, you know, I totally rewatch it two to one. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I've been outvoted, it seems. But uh, that's what we thought about us. 
Uh, and we'd love to know what you thought about this movie. You can always email us at howdidyoumissthis at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us any questions that you might have that you want us to cover on something that we uh, are going to be watching, or you can let us know what you thought about the movies we have watched. And while you're out there on the internet, do us a favor and take a second to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to be listening. And we'll be back with you next week when we'll be continuing Scaretober and watching Hereditary to see if we'll lose our heads or if this is a movie that should stay missed. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. Thank you.